All right. We got into becoming a pro yesterday. And don't worry, I got you because today we're going to be getting into how to become a pro. So yes, thank you. This is Michelle Spivey, your practical priestess of wisdom. And I do want to welcome you to today's podcast of Wisdom Smack. Thank you, dear one. So you know what to do. Stick with me on the flip as we start breaking it down, baby, on how to become a pro. See you then. Oh, yes. How to become a pro. I get asked this question a lot and I decided to take some time and uh, share some wisdom smacks that I've received over the years. Hard hard fault, harder even won. A lot of prices to be paid, but I'm hoping to shortcut the process for you by giving you some insights on what it takes to become a pro. Now, if you didn't listen to yesterday's podcast, I talked about some of the things to be aware of when you want to become a pro, even one of them being how to decide if you're going to become a pro in that area that you are entertaining. One of the saddest things, and I know it from personal experience, is to get to the point where you can't go another further to do anything else and what you said you're going to do. And it's hard to live a life looking at, oh my God, I've chosen to make money and take care of myself by doing something that I now loathe and hate. So I don't want you to get into that. So go back and check the yesterday's podcast out if you didn't um, check it out already. But today we're going to get into the, the steps of how to become a pro. So because I want to make sure that I cover this stuff, but not overwhelm you, let me go on and get into it. So the first thing, when you want to become a pro, if you have time, I'm going to say, once you have figured out whether or not you want to turn your hobby and your passion into making money, check yesterday's podcast for that, then, and you're ready to go, let's get started. The first thing I want you to do is to research your proposed industry. Most people think that they know the industry they're getting into, and they do not. I will say, one of the biggest wisdoms that will save you time and effort is if you get into this industry or this category, this niche or niche, however you want to say it, and you are not aware of what really is going on, you are destined to fail. People don't realize it, but depending on what you're doing, there could be whales W-H-A-L-E-S, movers and shakers, power brokers. Um, There could be a lot of things at play that you might not be aware of. And it's actually dangerous to get into an industry and not know how it's run, whether it is locally, regionally, or um, nationally, or globally. So do your due diligence. Do yourself a favor. Do not think that you're going to just because you do something and everybody loves it that you can come in um, and take over some stuff. Um, I know of this that happens even in the book world. Yes, depending on some sub niches out there. If you come in and you don't kiss the ring, (laughs) they will take you down. And I'm laughing because I... I take for granted that people have common sense, but a lot of times when when there is money involved, a lot of people allow common sense to leave the room and they they just go for it. So 
not only research the industry, make sure you understand who are the movers and shakers, if there are any. Then the next thing in this research is understand what the market looks like. People don't realize that there are two different types of markets at any given time. The one market is the market of interchange, meaning that if you were to go to investopedia.com and search market, the first thing they're going to tell you is the marketplace where goods and services are exchanged for compensation. But then there is another market and that is the actual people or, or businesses that use what you're selling. And so you have to understand the marketplace and the market, I'll just say people. Okay. It amazes me how folks are so busy just looking at the marketplace. They know nothing about the actual people. There are really people behind the money. There are people behind the the demand for the services. And you do yourself a great disservice when you don't pay attention to them. The next thing is, is understand the competition. And it's not, and this is, this is a pet peeve of mine where people go in and they do me too marketing, where they look at what the competition is and they become mimickers at best and then want to under, want to try to figure out why they're not making a lot of money. And the reason why you're not making a lot of money is first of all, you're a newcomer, you are a ripoff, you are an imitator at best and people already have a choice. So you're offering nothing different. So why would they choose you? The only way they would choose you is if you come in and do something that established folks will slit your proverbial throat over is you drop the pricing and you have a race to the bottom where you lower the price of the goods and services because you're so busy trying to get the market that you dilute the market if you can and you disrupt the market. And that's horrible. That's absolutely horrible horrible. Okay. Um, So understand your competition and understand the least viable effort it takes to get in. If you say, I am going to open up a, um, I'm trying to think of something. I'm going to open up a bakery. Yes. My town doesn't have a bakery and I'm going to open up a bakery and you open up the bakery and all you have is uh, one commercial oven or, okay, let's, let's make this even more realistic. All you have is access, yes, access to a commercial kitchen that can be approved by the health inspectors for three hours a day. And it's in the wee hours of the morning and you open up a storefront. And you run, you notice you're you're uh, running out of materials uh, two hours into operating. You're not ready because you don't understand the least of, uh, amount of effort. Too many times people think that being uh, that going out of business or being a failure means that they failed to make money. When a lot of times it's because you didn't check the market, you didn't do your research and you got overwhelmed and you got ran out of the market because you couldn't keep up. And that is a more realistic other side of the coin uh, that people don't tend to talk about or get prepared for. So when you are wanting to become pro, you need to understand what is the least amount that you have to do to get into the game. 
And when I say least amount, I'm not talking about least amount of what you can get away with. No, I am talking about least amount of what you can come up with. There are too many stories that I've heard of people who uh, invented something, got it produced only to get run out of town because large distributors like a Walmart or an Amazon took interest. They signed a contract and they couldn't keep up with the production. And they are, this is a better one, they ran out of the money that they borrowed before they got paid back from an Amazon or a Walmart and thus had to close down. Not because they didn't have a product, not because they weren't producing, you know, not because of any of the stuff that it took to become a pro, but because they didn't understand the least amount that they had to have to stay in the game. So that is the number one thing I want you to do when you're when you want to become a pro. The next one is to do a personal SWOT analysis. S O S W O T. SWOT standing for strengths, weaknesses, opportunities and threats. How you do that? The first two strengths and weaknesses are all about you. The second two opportunities and threats are all about your industry. So what are your strengths and your weaknesses when it comes to the industry, not when it comes to you as a person, but when it comes to the industry. Your strengths should include what is your unique selling proposition or USP? You know, how do you differentiate yourself from others? How how do you develop a product that is not new and improved, but is a better opportunity for people? And then on the weaknesses, weaknesses should include vulnerabilities that you have, whether it be cash or capital, resources, um, foundational equipment, um, distribution, marketing, branding. It can also be things like um, your limit on the amount of time you can devote to this, uh, how... um, many workers you can have or or whatever it is that would be seen as a weakness from somebody evaluating you, whether it be an individual, a business, or an industry. And then on the opportunities and threats part, your opportunities would be, where do you see gaps that you can fill? Where can you find non-customers of the existing people and turn them into your customers? Where can you move agilely because you are smaller and you are an upstart where you are not going necessarily head to head with established competition, but you're able to get in and secure the bag, as we like to say, before your competition is able to catch up with you or to maneuver to come in and try to take market share from you. And then threats. Where could you be able to do some disruptive innovation? Okay. And when I talk about disruptive innovation, um, what I'm talking about uh, is the um, the difference between disrupting an industry and disrupting an industry for a new industry. And so one of the best examples of this would be the company Netflix. And Netflix disrupted the video industry. Prior to Netflix, there were actual brick and mortar video stores where you would rent a video, take it home, bring it back. And 
they disrupted it because first of all, they attacked people uh, the 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 concept of people having to drive to the store. The next thing they attacked was people having to pay a lot of late fees for videos. And people felt like it was a ripoff. They um, had to sign contracts. If they destroyed the tape, they had to pay these exorbitant fees for the tape. It was a mess. And Netflix disrupted that because they were like, oh, you don't want to send it back. Well, guess what? You only have two slots per per week or at any given time or whatever. If you keep that, you can keep it, but you're only going to be able to rent other slots. And, and then if, only if, it goes over a so- certain amount of long time, then you buy the video or your, your renting privileges are disrupted. No must, no fuss. People went for it in droves. So they disrupted the video industry um, because of course they, they weren't renting videotapes, they were renting CDs, but they made it really easy for people to just go to their mailbox, um, and, you know, put the, put the DVDs in the mailbox to send them back and all this kind of stuff. And they paid them a flat fee, but then they moved into disrupting with new innovation in that they were able to mail the DVDs back using the postal service. And when it came time, they moved into streaming. They were one of the first companies to start saying, you don't want to have all of that fuss and muss? Okay, we will now take away you having to get the physical copy and you can just watch it digitally. Um, the, uh, Netflix did this and as well as Apple. They are two of the companies that are willing to disrupt their own business, meaning they're willing to destroy their own existing business to push you into a new business. Understanding themselves enough by doing a SWOT analysis to look at their strengths, their weaknesses, weaknesses, the opportunities and threats, they always address their own opportunities and threats head on. Well, I say always, but they usually do because Apple, I'm looking at you funny right now. But Apple did the same thing where they started making their previous products obsolete. And they do it a lot of times before people are ready for them to do it. Think about when they removed the USB ports from their laptops and they made them all go through a new um, uh, a, a new port where it has to do all in one. Or think about when they remove the buttons off of... Um, I mean, not the buttons, but the um, the jacks off of their phones. And now you have the earbuds and people always cry or, or whatever, but then they soon adapt. But that is because Apple and Netflix are always willing to disrupt an industry as well as themselves because they are they have their pulse on uh, their their finger on the pulse point of the industry and themselves to move them forward. So do not take this for granted. Do take the time to look at your own SWOT analysis and you're going to see a lot of opportunities on how to become pro. The next thing is to allocate the necessary resources as much as possible. If you can and you have time, try to find a way to accumulate the money that you need Um to get in and get started. 
And I wish I could say that you're going to always have enough money. You never are. So you might as well just try to get some money and find ways to keep the money coming in. The next one is, I talked about this yesterday, and that is to schedule time to work on your endeavors. You can take it where you do things while you're still working for others and get those as much set up as you can while you have that buffer. And then when you move over, then you still set, set up a schedule where you have a clear demarcation of when you work and when you don't work. Do not do like most folks and never take a day off. I know that that's what it requires, but you have to take a day off. Even when you're in the upstart, find a way to have others pre-trained and ready to go on those days that you need to take off because you are the engine and the catalyst. And if you burn out, there is no business. I am, I'm baking this in right now because this is part of keeping yourself healthy as well as having a succession plan if anything happens to you. The next thing is, is get the education needed, whether it's boots on the ground or it's uh, preliminarily. People overlook the fact that they're going to go into a business and they're going to think that, oh, I know everything about how to cook and don't have the first inkling about restaurant management about human resources, about labor laws, about distribution of foodstuffs, about refrigeration, disposal with the, in in the United States, we have the EPA. I I, I wish they would come back and anyway, um, Environmental Protection Agency, and they deal with stuff on how to deal with um, the uh, disposal of uh, grease and cooking oils. Uh, It's just so many things health inspectors, how to make sure you can pass a health inspection, how to implement standard operating procedures. Um, Gordon Ramsay has made a very lucrative business on doing these things because folks did not take the time to get an education and how to run their business. And that leads me to the next one. And that is get ebook I mean, E-Myth Revisited, that's a book by Michael E. Gerber. And it is a book that talks about how to understand you as the practitioner or the technician is what he calls you and the business aspects of what you run. Now, in his book, I'm going to cut to the chase. It's a classic. You should get it. He talks about how if you are not a business person, you need to hire someone. You need to have a general manager or a front of the house person or whatever it is. If you are clearly a creative, do not set yourself up for failure, if at all possible, if you understand that about yourself. And I'm all for that. But in today's world and in where we are now, looking at that book from the 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 generation it was written from. It's not that old, but it's old enough to have been a previous generation. Today, you have, you are forced to understand both sides because in this quote unquote gig world, we're actually moving out of the gig economy, by the way, and we're moving really into the entrepreneurial uh, uh, startup, um, run it on your own kind of world. So that's to me, the basic level of understanding that you, you, it's, it's mandatory that you have it. You can start with E-Myth Revisited to understand what he was talking about there and then take it the next step. And then after that, implement a plan, a strategy, and a goal 
G-O-A-L, ladder, meaning that your implementation plan takes into consideration what are going to be your strategies for doing something, whether it be branding, um, getting traction on um, sales and customers, building a contact list or whatever. And then what is your goal ladder? Meaning, where do you start and where do you ultimately want to end up. Too many times we're short-sighted where we're like, I just want to sell a book. Well, maybe you do want to sell a book, but if you look at that, what happens after you sell a book? Do you want to become a prolific writer? Do you want to become a writer speaker, a writer teacher? Do you want to have a school? Do you want to have a publishing company? Look at all those things because if you only have the short-sightedness for the one thing in the immediacy, you're going to make strategies that only get you that. And what if those strategies aren't enough? What if the competition requires more? Then you're going to be stuck. And so I want you to get used to implementing a plan um, that has a longevity with not only strategies to get where you are right now, but you always have a vision for where you're going to go. Think about um, J.K. Rowling if you need to um, for an idea. This woman (laughs) has to, she's way past books. She runs a lucrative online community website, games. She has an entertainment division. She writes um, scripts. She has... um, Broadway plays and um, West, I think it's called West End in uh, the UK. I'm not, I mean, in London, I'm not sure. West something. And um, so there is a lot to what her company has evolved into. So can you see how your strategy for selling a book is way different for a strategy for someone who wants to sell a book that is eventually going to lead people to going to, um, their entertainment attraction at a a Universal Studios, it's a whole different experience. She's got merchandise and all these other things. So have a plan with a strategy and a goal ladder. The next thing is to execute. This is one of the hardest parts of becoming a pro. You can work all the way up to it. I know so many people that have done all their due diligence, done their SWAT, even squirreled a little money away, and they can't pull the trigger on actually doing the work. And I covered this in other podcasts, but the difference between an implement to implement and to execute is to implement means that you actually figure out the actual steps. It's the blueprint. It's the guide. Um, it's, It's the recipe. It's the shopping list. And then to execute is to go do the shopping, walk through the plans, put the recipe together, cook the cake or whatever. And so when people get to the point of actually going and doing it, it's hard. I spend so much time trying to get people that I coach to push the button to publish the book, push the button to turn the website on, push the button to to start the business. And it used to baffle me, but then I had to realize that when you are becoming a pro and execution, 
That means that that is a bell you cannot unring and people will be able to clearly see if you succeed or fall on your face. And the crushing defeat of possibly not winning is too much for people. And thus, they are content with doing all that work to tell themselves, well, I'm ready. Or in their minds, they might even say, I have a business. I know so many people who have a lot of education, a lot of training, who think that they are actually doing stuff. And you ask them, well, have you have you have you set up your your truck, your food truck? Have you opened your restaurant? Um, uh, what dresses have you actually um, produced? You say you're a designer or this one. <laughs> What books have you published? None, but I know how to teach people how to write. I know how to do this and do that. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) you know, now it's something if you are teaching people how to do something, because there are some people who are really good at just the teaching part, good on you. But if that's your business, that's your business, but don't conflate the two. All right. So make sure that you, you get over the haunts and the shadow parts that would keep you from executing on all of this. And then after you have done the execution, take time to analyze your results and then take your results and then analyze from your competition. I said analyze from your competition. I did not say compare to your comrades. There is a difference. Analyzing with regards to your results and what the competition is doing does not mean you compare. It simply means that you are looking at for what you have and what you're doing. Are you doing enough to uh, increase your probability of doing what you can? Now, I'm going to go on and cut to the chase. Nine times out of 10, you're going to answer that no, because there's always something else that you could be doing. But what I don't want you doing is comparing yourself to someone else and saying, I should be here or I should be there based on a fluke, based on something that is not controllable, based on the fact that maybe this person was um, friends with someone who was friends with someone who's a distributor who gave them a shout out on a popular podcast or put them in touch with someone at an established uh distribution company. You never know. So do not get into comparing. Only look at competing. And what that means is, is when you analyze your results and you look at your competition, I want you to look at things like, is my voice unique enough or do I sound like everyone else? Do I offer a product that is distinct in its approach, but it is highly effective at delivering what I promised and what people are expecting. And this one, am I offering a very good quality to value ratio? Meaning, am I giving, am I over delivering on the quality and the promise of the product in relation to what I'm charging? This is not driving down the industry in a race to the bottom. This is over exceeding in quality what people are expecting for the money that they get. And that is what I'm talking about when I look, say, look at your results, 
and um, look at them in regards to your competition. And then you want to adjust accordingly. And I'm going to say this, adjust one thing at a time and give yourself time to test it to see if that is the issue. There have been many times I've broken a website only to know that, yeah, it's probably some plugin I've got added in. And when I was new at this, I would take all the the plugins down and add them one at a time and say, oh, it wasn't the plugins only to understand nut. It wasn't the plugins that time because you added them in one at a time. So the ones that were running were already going to run and you couldn't. Well, I wasn't replicating the issue. But when I reversed it and I kept all the plugins in only taking one down at a time, that's when I would be able to spot the little bugger in there causing the problems. So only adjust taking away or tweaking one thing at a time. And then you want to redo this until you get the expected results. These are the things that are boring to a lot of people. And so your um, analysis of your results, your adjustments, and the actual redoing you, this is a good way for you to allocate funds to help you because there are a lot of people out there that are really good with helping you to analyze, tweak, identify, and to continue to keep going um, to get to your desired results. And so this is an area in your business where I would say it would be really good money spent to get you some help with finding that because it can be very time consuming. It can be a full-time job in and of itself. And if you are doing everything all day long to try to analyze, adjust, redo, test, that's time taken away from you producing. Because when it comes down to it, your customers really want you to produce. She says, understanding that she's talking to herself right now as well. (laughs) Okay, so that's the thing. Produce. And so with becoming uh, that pro, I want you to get used to doing your research, making sure you continually do SWOT analysis. When you start out, you can maybe do one every quarter or maybe every year. Allocate as many resources as you can, time, money, schedule, edu- continuing education. Get the ebook revisited so that you understand the fine line between being the tech, the artisan, the technician, and the business owner. Implement your plans with a goal and uh, with strategy and a goal ladder in it. Execute on those plans. Don't shirk away from it. Get it out there fast. Fail fast if you have to. And then analyze the results, even outsourcing them if you can. So guess what? My time is up. Yes, you guys, I thank you for yours. This has been Michelle Spiva, your practical priestess of wisdom with another podcast of Wisdom Smack. Check the show notes for the books mentioned and I'll see you tomorrow. Bye. And that's going to do it for today's podcast of Wisdom Smack with Michelle Spiva. If you like this podcast, please help us get the word out. Like, comment, subscribe, and even share. And if you really like it, please help us continue to get the word out by considering using this show's link for Amazon. So when you want to go to Amazon and you do all of your general shopping, 
uh, please use michellespiva.com forward slash AMZ. It's simple as that. It doesn't cost you anything extra. And this show might receive a little bit of commission that will go towards helping to further get these episodes out to you and to others. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Michelle Spiva with Wisdom Smack. Bye.